The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, this is Ashley Eckstein, the voice of Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars, and you're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 141. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hello everyone, I'm Robert King, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Today we're diving into Tales of the Jedi, especially the Ahsoka story arc, and that means we're talking about episodes 1, 5, and 6. Joining me today is Catherine Laffrey. Thanks for being here, Catherine. Hello, welcome. Glad to be here. <laughs> right on. So this is a six episode series, and it starts with an episode of Ahsoka, then jumps to Count Dooku for three episodes before returning to Ahsoka's story. Last week, we talked through the Count Dooku episodes, and this week we'll be focusing on Ahsoka. But before we jump into her story, do you have any thoughts or impressions about the series as a whole? Uh including the Dooku episodes. Uh, what do you think, Catherine? Well, the first thing is this was so refreshing for me because, it from, because after all the Andor series was a little dry and a little too, too touching on modern for me that it lost the mystery. And so mm. this, this brought back all of the, the mystery, the symbolism, the depth of Star Wars. That whole spiritual side that was, um, yeah, like Andor was really deliberately avoiding the force. It felt yeah. like, oh, and yeah. these, these episodes are all like really focusing on the force. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I, I kind of had, I think I enjoyed Andor maybe more than you did, but, um, I agree. It it feels like these these two series are almost like defining the the outer poles of what Star Wars can do, right? Yes, definitely the outer poles for sure. <laughs> yeah. I love the dynamic though in the whole series of having Ahsoka as one focus point and Dooku as the other because you really get that dynamic between their choices, their free will choices and Yeah their path that they went on and to see how it just kept diverging apart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, not to get into the Dooku episodes much, but, but to see kind of the steps he was taking further and further toward the dark side and to see these stages of Ahsoka's uh, journey, which is not the typical Jedi journey, but is still a, a very much a light side journey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she almost took the journey beyond. It's like there's Jedi and then there's like 
contemplative, like <laughs> full on into the good side of the forest. And that's what I felt like that was her step. Why she has white lightsabers eventually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you, this is, this is a bit of a tangent, but are are you one of these who has like theories about like the gray Jedi or, or the, um, like that, that the Jedi have something essentially, uh, corrupt about them just as the Sith do, or, or do you not follow that sort of I don't parsing of the, of the universe? Yeah. I don't know. I don't. It depends on each storyline, really. And I mean, I have my set stories that I love and my story arc that is like, okay, this is my childhood to where I am now. This is my Star Wars stories. And they, they revolve around a lot of Timothy Zahn books and a few others. But uh, yeah, so it's like, I like the ones that have that deep family root, which is what I loved about this, especially with Ahsoka. <laughs> We get mm-hmm. back to the deep family root, which was always part of Star Wars to me. And it's just, yeah, it brought it all together, I guess. And as yeah. far as the Jedi go, it's like, you know, so many mixed theories now, especially with, sadly, so many people who don't have faith to rely on. I feel mm-hmm. like the Jedi nowadays don't get looked at the same way that I remember people looking at them when I was younger. Where there was like, they were like, like priests almost. They were, they were religious leaders. They weren't just political pawns and everybody jumps right into, oh, see, they just became political pawns. But at the same time, they were being corrupted by a horrible evil that went beyond what people actually realized. That's what I love about reading the books is because you get the thoughts and feelings and so you, you find out even more the depth of the corruption and the loss of the force that the best of the best Jedi were feeling. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to admit, I never got into the books very deeply, but um, the the idealism of the Jedi, especially in the uh, original trilogy in uh, episodes four, five and six. Um, yeah, it. It was the sense of wanting that kind of idealism in my life that uh, drew me. I I was raised Catholic, but I I left the Catholic Church for a few years and the Jedi were a big part of what drew me back. I thought, well, if I can't be a Jedi, I at least want something that holds on to that kind of idealism. Mm -hmm. And I found that in the Catholic Church. Um, and, And it even drew me to consider a, a priestly or a religious vocation for a while. So mm-hmm. I, I really get what you mean about the Jedi having this uh, strong, yeah, spiritual and, and uh, noble dimension to them. Yeah. And I, I the other thing about this um, whole show set is that it did tie in elements of books And that was exciting for me because I'd be like, oh, my gosh, that was in a book. And my husband (laughs) and kids are like going, what? (laughs) What book? Where where are you reading this? So I like had some background stuff in there. I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, right on. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's great to to tie everything together. And 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 actually, that might be something we we can talk about, uh, especially in I think what I've heard because I haven't read the books. I don't know much about this myself, but you might. Um, I've heard that episode six uh, kind of 
deviates from what the the book Ahsoka talked about. I I don't know if you want to talk about that, but oh, it it made the few elements of the Ahsoka book that I really liked better. Oh, good. Oh yeah, Dave Dave Filoni makes everything better, and quite honestly, <laughs> he he made that book better for me because I was like, I read it once. Will I read it again? I don't know, but now I can like, you know, head canon in what Dave Filoni did to it. And it's much better. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's go deep in that when we get to episode six, yeah. but, um, but let's, let's uh, start off with, well, uh, yeah, with these episodes starting at the beginning. Um, so if you haven't seen it or just to refresh your memory, um, this is three episodes from tales of the Jedi, the animated series. The first episode is is the first episode in the series, episode one. It's called Life and Death. And the official summary says, a child goes through a rite of passage with unexpected results. Ooh, mystery. Um, and then, as we said, there are three episodes that focus on Count Dooku. And the next Ahsoka episode is episode five, Practice Makes Perfect. A Jedi Padawan is given a seemingly impossible exercise. And finally, the last episode in the series, episode six, is called Resolve. And the description is, a former Jedi is faced with the truth that they cannot be something they are not. So this covers a lot of time in Ahsoka's life. And um, we're going to look at each episode individually, but I hope uh, at the end we have time to talk a little bit about the big picture of how these episodes work together. So, um Maybe we can keep that at the back of our minds. Um, let's start, though, with episode one, Life and Death. Uh, it starts with Ahsoka's birth, and there's this focus on a matriarchal figure. Um, I think her name is Gantica, and she seems to be a spiritual leader in the Togruta village. And her mother, Ahsoka's mother, takes her on this life and death rite of passage, Um it's it's this really again like especially coming off of Andor, um the focus is so much on like the spiritual aspect of their life uh, what struck you or what struck you about uh that that kind of focus and the the way the story began i mean first of all it was beautiful the oh, artwork yeah. the little details in the wrinkles of the matriarch's face I mean, she was just the classic adorable grandma face. Yes, uh, yes. Kind of like in um, Coco. Oh, yeah. That, that the, beautiful the grandma face. Yeah, when you get that beautiful wrinkly grandma face, reminded me of my Boucha, Polish for grandmother. So, um, yeah, that and then just the the big scenes and the joy of Ahsoka's dad. Oh, that was awesome. Just like screaming to everyone. That she's yeah, that born. was beautiful. Yeah, it was like wonderful. <laughs> yeah. It was just, yeah. yeah, it meant a lot. And I loved seeing how, I mean, with every time you have a different looking humanoid, and yeah. then you start wondering, well, how were they born with those head tails and to actually uh -huh. see it, like they start really small and then they grow as they get older it was like oh okay that's how that works so and by far i have to say she's cuter than grogu <laughs> oh 
She was adorable. She, she, yeah, she's absolutely darling. Um, and I, I really loved the way you saw, like, again, the details, like the head markings, uh, the, the sort of, um, yeah, the, the coloration markings on her mother and her father, you could see how those blended into what we would come to know as the distinctive, um, markings on Ahsoka's face. Um, and I also loved the way the, um, Gantica, she, she came through the village and she was just absolutely herself, but the respect that all of the people showed her, um, it, it, it was, it was this great combination of like a, a ritualistic respect, everyone bowing to her. But at the same time, there was like an affection in it Yes, that it, it was like so good to see like a healthy model of, of both civic and spiritual leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, like these are people who really both respected and cared about their leader because you could see how much she respected and cared about them. Um, yeah, the way she lovingly put that blue blessing on their foreheads before they went out for the hunt. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. just awesome. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, yeah. She definitely loved everyone that was in the village in the way that a matriarch should. Like, she's everyone's well, mom. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, she's maybe my favorite character in, in that episode, at least. Um, maybe of the and whole series. And she had series. the cutest pets. Oh my gosh. They were <laughs> yes. like like the loath cats mixed with little yippy dogs. <laughs> yes, yeah. Sort of loath dogs, yeah. maybe? I don't know. Anyway. Loath um... <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's get to that hunt. Um, this did seem to be like a rite of passage. Like it wasn't just she was going out to hunt, but there was something significant about this. It happened about a year after Ahsoka's birth. Um, and she goes out to hunt down sort of, I guess, kind of a cross between a kangaroo and a gazelle, <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Um, but then when she has hunted the creature and, and it has this very, you know, this is life and death. You know, look at all the life around you, Ahsoka, she said. Um, and then you have to face death. It's it's a part of this, too. Um so there's this this really deep spiritual moment, but then she, the hunter, becomes the hunted as this kind of gigantic saber toothed tiger comes out and attacks. Um, I, I I thought this was just iconic and mythic in all sorts of ways. It it reminded me of like all the raised by wolf stories and all of the hunting themes that you, that you see in in lots of of ancient and and modern literature um wh what do you you know how did how did this scene strike you and and what what did it bring to mind for you i have so many memories of fishing with my dad i mean I used oh it's got i surprised a lot of people i used to love filleting salmon it was <laughs> <laughs> it was just one of those things i was good at i don't know the artist in me just knew how to cut it just right but just the whole circle of life thing. There was definitely some like feelings of Lion King in there. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then 
a little bit of Ted Nugent. (laughs) (laughs) If you've ever watched any of his hunting shows, the great Michigan Uh, hunter that he is. Okay, Uh, I have not, but I'll take uh, your word for it. It's fascinating. He's such a wild character to begin with. But the respect he has for the environment and the animal is so evident. Because he'll he'll take you on a deer hunt, show you on the video, and then he just says, we got to, you know, be thankful for what we have here. We have a meal that's going to feed a lot of people. It's so good for us. We're we're keeping the herd healthy by we're only taking the one. And, yeah, it was... It kind of made me think about that, and it also made me sad that I missed out mm-hmm. on a hunting trip with my sister earlier this year. Oh. <laughs> my sister lives out in Wisconsin. She's going to take me for my first uh, deer hunt with her. Still have a chance for maybe in January for one last bow hunt with her, but I'll find out. Oh. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah, I mean, well, I hope you get to like, go. Yeah, I hope so, too. I've actually helped my brother field dress a deer before, so it just kind of felt like family to me watching it. It was familiar <laughs> it is it's you know it, it feels like a, a religious ritual but it's also like a family ritual you know this this is her first hunt her mother is taking her out on this this first hunt and and it's bringing her into the family it's growing her up in the family and and that's that's amazing well, when you think about it i mean the family is is the smallest form of the community of the church and so the family uh, yeah. rituals we have reflect the greater rituals of the church. And so just having that that family feel to it, I feel, I mean, we think about all the family traditions we have. I mean, it's wrapped around food and different things, but all those foods have meanings for the different holidays. And it's it's just kind of, that's what family is. It's a reflection of the bigger family that we're part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, as um, I think I think uh, the compendium of Catholic social teaching calls it, you know, the family is the fundamental unit of human society, right? So yeah, um, which which explains why when when that that uh, kind of tiger beast attacks, oh, the mother fights so hard. Yeah. Um, you know, just the fierceness of her, her defense, not just of her own life, but, but especially of her baby, her child. Um, and, um, the whole village running to the rescue and, and, um, when they get there, it's, they're in time to, to save anyone from dying, but they are not in time to save Ahsoka from being kidnapped by the the beast, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, that's the that's the moment that kind of Ahsoka shows her connection to the Force in mm-hmm. in the first. You know, that's her first experience of it. It seems. Yeah, I have to go back a little bit. The other thing the hunting sequence reminded me of is I coach yeah. volley I coach volleyball and softball, and I've done that ever since my girls were little and I had them with me in baby carriers (laughs) coming along. And it was neat to see how now that they're adults, they've taken that on. I actually have a daughter now who coaches and all the girls eventually played one of the two sports or both of the sports that I coached. And it was just neat for me to see that connection. And it just made me think about those, 
those days of coaching and having the girls with me and, you know, them understanding and learning what I did. And I also had a protection moment, almost not quite as bad as that tiger <laughs> attack. But I remember having the girls at a wave pool once and we were out too far and the waves turned on and someone else went to bring my daughters in for me. And I didn't know who they were. And I remember just grabbing oh. them, grabbing my girls and just stiff arming the person who was trying to bring them in because there was just too much chaos going on. I didn't need to have that feeling of someone else grabbing my kids. <laughs> and it, yeah, was just, yeah. it was just one of those scary moments where you just react and it's like, mom's stiff arms are tough. So <laughs> <laughs> as we all could probably remember from back in the day when our moms would stiff arm us to save us in the car when they had to brake quickly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Those crazy days before car seats. No, it's, it's definitely, a like that, um, that adrenaline and that power and the power that comes not just from muscles, but from the, the, yeah, the love that you have, the care that you have for each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a care that, that I think informs Ahsoka's first experience of the force. You know, she's, she's approaching the beast, not with fear or anger, but with the kind of peaceful curiosity that she got from her mother. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that's part of what brings it back to, um, allows her to, to kind of tame the savage beast as it were and, and, and return to the village. It, it brought me back to um, Rebels, actually, where um, sort of communing with animals was one of the first experiences of the Force that Ezra had as well. And I wonder if this is, um, you know, this isn't a, a, a Force power that shows up much in the movies, um, although it, it you know, they, they kind of brought it in with Ray a little bit in the, yeah. in the sequels, but, um, that, that deep connection of the force and nature in a spiritual side, um, a spiritual way, I guess. Um, I, I think that's a really interesting emphasis and focus. And it's interesting. You think about the Jedi that talked the most about that living force. Yeah. You've got Yoda. You've got Qui-Gon. You've got mm -hmm. Ahsoka and Ezra having that connection. And it's like you look at them and it's like they were the models of getting that full experience of the forces everywhere. It's in everything. It actually made me think about... um one of the books, it wasn't one of my favorite books, and it was a non-canon book, but there's a scene where Luke Skywalker is flying somewhere to rescue someone. and uh, As he does. As he does. <laughs> and he's crashing. His, you know, ship is falling apart as he's going through the atmosphere, all this other stuff. And he literally jumps out and free dives down to the ground. Mm -hmm. He doesn't land softly because it was thousands of feet. But as he's laying there, he has an experience of the living force helping him where he mm. could see the force from the rocks, from the trees, from, you know, and he's going through that line that Yoda gave him. 
And he's yeah. seeing and feeling the force coming from all these things to heal him. And so it's like, oh, okay. Well, it's kind of neat just to see that tie-in. And then you see like Ray heal that snake creature. And Yep. Yeah. That, I mean, a lot of legit criticism against the sequel tr- trilogy, but, but that was one of the really cool parts of it, I thought. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and you were talking about... Uh, you know, that, that sense of handing on your family traditions, um, you know, the coaching volleyball and, and, and the hunting and, and so on. And one of the things we know, we don't see it, but when Ahsoka comes back, that, that matriarchal figure, she says, ah, Ahsoka is Jedi. And we know she's going to be taken away she's probably never going to see any of those people again. And yet, I don't know. What's, uh, yeah. How, how do you think this, this impacts Ahsoka? How do you think it impacts the village, her family, that, that community? It was interesting. Cause when I first saw it and the second time I watched it too, I was really like trying to pay attention to that. And I felt like there was only pride in that statement. Like they felt honored. It seemed like it, that she was Jedi. And Uh then knowing how strongly she's raised multi-generationally with strong family ties, strong family traditions, values. I feel like that's something that's so embedded in her, even at this age of one. She gets uh, brought into the Jedi when she's two. And I did read somewhere that, um, Oh, who was it? Uh, Plo. Uh, Plo Koon? Yeah, he was the one who went to get her and bring her in. Ah, uh, yes, yes. And that they said that he's the only other person besides Ahsoka's father to call her little, little Ahsoka. Huh. And it's like neat because like, like he almost brought in that. I need to be a father figure because you have such a great father figure you know, mm, kept that tradition yeah. going. So it's like, I think that's why she's just so level-headed and knew when it was time to step out before it got crazy. Yeah. So much to say about <laughs> Ahsoka's character arc, Clone Wars and Rebels, and, and I'm so looking forward to the to her having a series of her own. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we still have to wait for that a bit. Yes, yes. She's definitely my favorite. well let's let's jump ahead to episode two um this this takes place many years later ahsoka is a padawan um and we're introduced to her uh going through some kind of test uh, like a how to defend yourself with a lightsaber against these remotes and anakin who arrives late as usual is not impressed he's not impressed with the test he he definitely i don't know if he's impressed with ahsoka but he's you know the test is not a good test he thinks and he wants to give her a different test and oh gosh there's so much going on in this episode but but maybe we should start with with anakin himself what's what's going on with him here he felt like the big brother who wanted to protect his little sister yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i have a I brother definitely who's got that younger, vibe too. i have a brother that's younger than me but he kind of did the same thing where he was like always making sure I knew how to spar and defend myself. 
Uh-huh. So sometimes he'd get the better of me, but <laughs> I was older sister. So <laughs> there's, there's that line. Um, he said something like, uh, you know, as your master, I'm responsible for you. And the best way I can protect you is teaching you to protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was awesome. I just, and I love the way I'll admit it that I am a stubborn learner sometimes. And if I think a test is stupid, I will say it. <laughs> <I'm> also, <laughs> I also used to be a teacher. So I would you know, yeah. gladly take that criticism from my students sometimes frustratingly, but yes, but yeah, to like, yeah. To know that it was like he said is, you know, it's a, it's a bad test and it's too, too controlled, too moderated. But one of my favorite moments in the test scene was not from Ahsoka or Anakin, but from little Caleb Doom and uh, 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 what's his, uh, Bilaba, his master. I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I just love the way that here she is taking him to see the best of the best. And as a mom and a coach, mm. I would always take my girls to go see. This is the next level. This is your goal. Yeah. That's what you're going for. That's what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely related to a lot of that. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, what, do you, what do you think was going through Anakin's mind? I mean, like, like we have knowing the the series as we do we know where anakin is heading and we know you know like like the ending of this episode was no surprise to me at least um and so the you know as anakin is saying that you know the best way i can protect you is teaching you to protect yourself and um do you think anakin had any like insight or, or foreknowledge or anything like that. There were times where like the expression on his face, I was like, he knows something. It really seems like he knows something. But then again, it's like, as you're talking, I'm thinking he's treating Ahsoka the complete opposite of the way he's treating his own wife. Oh, interesting. He didn't yeah, think his yeah. wife could defend herself. He was always defending her always running after her always thinking she can't handle it you know and to the point of he you know goes dark side because he thinks the only way to save her is if he does it not realizing right. she can handle herself she's done it for years and yet with ahsoka he's you know you can do this i'm gonna make yep. sure you can do this you'll get used to it yeah you yeah, can handle yeah. it I'm going to, I'm going to raise the bar for you and you're going to, you're going to do it. You're going to succeed. It's like, you know, why would you treat these two women in your life that you obviously will care about so differently? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a great insight. Um, I, I have to admit, I am not a huge fan of the Clone Wars as a series. I know a lot of people think it's like amazing, maybe the best Star Wars series, but that, part of what I struggle with is how different the Anakin in the Clone Wars series seems from the Anakin of the movies and, and Vader of the movies. Mm -hmm. And, um, and what you were just saying kind of helps me 
put together. Yeah, he he really kind of has this two sided personality that that I struggle to understand. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's living a split life in his marriage. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's you know covering it up, and they knew that it would be harmful to do that to both of them. They talked about it right away from the beginning. That it's like keeping this a secret is gonna be detrimental. It's gonna hurt, and it yeah. does. And it, you know, I think that's part of it is the secret, keeping the secret. And that was like part of even Anakin having to spy on uh, Palpatine. It's that keeping the secret, Mm. you know, it's, it makes him snap. But yeah, so it's, it's interesting. I did see that um, part of the Clone Wars and showing you the connection Anakin has with Ahsoka is so that you really see how hard and how far he fell. Yeah. How big that snap is. Yeah. He's supposed to be that different. Yeah. Yeah. So what'd you think of the test again? I, again. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> again. Well, and we see the test develop through a couple different stages. And like, so there's the first time in the hangar where Anakin is overseeing it. And it's again, again, again. And, then it it kind of transitions to later, and there it looks like they're in the hangar, like the hangar deck of a star destroyer. Yeah, or, it looked or, similar to where the final battle happened. Um, well, eventually they got there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was there was like a place in in the middle where mm-hmm. um, I didn't see Anakin in that scene. Um, yeah, it looked like it Rex looked like, was running it. Yeah. And, and and I got the sense that, oh, Ahsoka has taken on this test and she's the one who's like driving, pushing herself to improve more and Mm -hmm. more. Um, I thought, I thought that was a really subtle, but, but strong, uh, showing of the development of her character. Mm -hmm. Um, so have you ever been in a situation like that where someone pushes you again, 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 (laughs) Honestly, I haven't. And, uh-huh. and there's a part of me that, that a little bit envies that. Like, I wish somebody had like seen my potential or cared about me enough to really push me as hard as, as I could possibly go, yeah. you know, find out where my breaking point is yeah. at the same time. I've seen friends who have gone through that kind of, um, training or mm-hmm. education and, um, Sometimes it breaks them. Yeah. You know, it, it can, it can be harmful in some ways. So it's hard to say. Yeah. Um, you know. As a coach and a teacher, I've been in that situation. We're knowing which students, which players I can push like that. And actually had yeah. just this past volleyball season with one of my players. She really wanted to get a certain attack down and was like, no, again, Again, and so we just kept going and going, and then finally, she just lost it. And I was like, "Okay," and she's like, "No, coach." Yeah. Again, and I was like, "Okay." And then after, gave her a big hug. She's crying. She goes, "It wasn't just practice; uh-huh. it was my whole day." But thank you. I'm like, "Okay," because uh-huh. I had I had a coach do that to me when I played softball in high school. I was a catcher, 
And he wanted to make sure I knew how to stop the worst pitch possible that the pitcher could throw at me. And he kept yeah. throwing the ball in the dirt, throwing the ball in the dirt until my knees were aching and I was bruised all over my arms, but it was like, I'm going to stop the ball. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And, and Ahsoka is clearly driven in that way. She, she wants to, she wants to be the best for, for a variety of reasons. She wants to, to impress Anakin, but she also has this sense of how good she could be. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it also struck me, I don't know if we ever knew why Ahsoka moved to a two lightsaber fighting style, but this, this kind of showed that as well. Yeah. I felt like, yeah, this was definitely the push in that direction for her just so yeah. she could be ready for anything. I yeah. actually went back and watched the, um, Clone Wars episodes that tied into this. Just because I wanted to like bookend it and know what happened before, what happened after. And it made watching this episode so much more intense because it was just like, oh, man, you think about what she's going to go through next. And then it helped me see more and more of those maneuvers when she actually had to play them out for real to defend her life. And then just knowing that she got so good at it that she was able not to kill any of the clone troopers. Hmm, yeah. She purposely did not want to kill them. And she told Rex, we can't do it. And he's like, they're going to kill you. That's all they want to do is kill you. And she's like, but I'm not going to kill them. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> talk, talk about mastery, you know. Yeah. The, the, the title Jedi Master. But yeah, to, to master her ability in that way. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, she had to me, stepped above and beyond what a Jedi master is. Right. Because she had walked yeah. away and said, no, this is She left right. the order. Yeah. Any other uh, thoughts or insights about uh, episode five? Practice makes perfect. No, I think we hit all the, the cool stuff on that. I mean, just seeing the connections. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I guess the last thing to say about it is, you know, we talked about the beauty of the first episode, but this had kind of a beauty of its own. The the fight choreography, the the lightsaber work was was really, you know, beautifully done and, and showed off all the cool things that that we love about Ahsoka as an action hero, I think. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it was neat to watch when she had the actual battle with the clones and how she was surrounded. Because in that moment, she took all of their shots and threw them into the ceiling so she could escape. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's so cool to see, like, how it all evolved to that point. Yeah. Yeah, the student uh, surpasses the master. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, by far. (laughs) Well, then we have another time jump. And uh, episode six starts with Padme's funeral. And this is a scene that we have actually seen in the movies in, in uh, revenge of the Sith. Um, but from a slightly different angle now. Yeah. It was neat to see it from that angle. See who else was there. Uh huh. Yeah. And so, yeah, as, as the episode proceeds, you know, she, she's there to witness the, the funeral of her friend. Um, and uh, she has this encounter with uh, Senator Bail Organa, uh, the foster father of Leia Organa. Um, and 
he tries to convince her to join the rebellion, um, to join the cause. She says, I'm tired of fighting. Um, and then they're interrupted by troopers, but Bale manages to kind of keep the conversation going in a clever way. Um, and you can see it has, it has an effect on Ahsoka. Oh, that was, oh gosh, best dialogue in Star Wars. Love the yeah. dialogue. I mean, that's right up there with, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the sort of double meanings in, in mm -hmm. what Bale was saying. Yeah. How he's, you know, we have, we have, um, we have our duties and we, um, have obligations and, um, and we support each other. And, and, uh, if you need anything, yeah, contact me. Yeah. It was nice. It gave us insight into how, Bale survived so long, functioning as the dignitary that he was. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, he knew yeah, how he... to play the line perfectly. He's no dummy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That was awesome. And it was just, it was heartwarming to see Ahsoka there at the funeral. You know, to see her say she was my friend. You know, it's like you could see it all over her face, which is one thing what I liked about the Clone Wars was seeing how there really was a friendship between the two of them. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a lot of like older sister guiding that Padme would do for Ahsoka and yes, you know, just kind of yes. that care for each other. So again, here it is, the two women in Anakin's life and dang, neither one of them could keep him from going to the dark side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Anakin had all kinds of, uh, bad influences and, and problems stacked against him. Yeah. Bale gives her a, a, uh, a device to contact him with. And, um, and then we kind of, again, have a little time jump. And sometime later we see her on an agricultural, well, at least on a, on a rural farming community on a planet, um, just kind of living life as, as an ordinary person, as an ordinary worker among the workers. Uh, but her force sensitivity and her abilities can't hide. And she ends up saving the life of one of her, one of her coworkers. Um, and, and I can't help but wonder it's, you know, is, is this, is this her Jedi training or is it something about who she is? What's, what's, driving her to to help someone even at the risk of exposing herself and and i, I i'm thinking of obi-wan um the recent obi-wan series where this was a huge part of of obi-wan's refusal to use the force and and even kind of cutting himself off from the force and advising other uh fleeing jedi to do the same um and something the inquisitor said in in early on in in that series you know that that compassion is the jedi's weakness and and yet here it seems like it's it's ahsoka's strength well it ties all the way back to the beginning yeah she did not probably could have killed the saber-tooth cat but she showed compassion and at the risk of her own life. I mean, this thing was ready to eat her. Could have. But she showed that compassionate touch. 
And then here she is doing it again at the risk of her own life, showing that compassion. And it does tie in um, with the books, why she's there. So that she was at, yeah, you... at this farm community, way off, middle of nowhere. Empire is using them basically as, you know, you feed our troops and we'll let you starve and almost live. <laughs> and uh, How generous of them. Yes, you know, you get the leftovers, feed the troops. So As empires do. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it was funny, though, because it's like every time I see a Jedi do like the, oh, hold the hand for one more second longer than they need to. It's like, uh-huh. oh, come on. You don't have to do that. <laughs> it's actually, that's actually a line in several different books. And like Luke finally realized that, you know, even though um, Yoda hold, holds his hand out to raise the ship up out of the mm-hmm. swamp, he goes, he was probably doing it just so that I knew what was happening, but I really didn't need to because it's not about what you do with your body. It's about your connection to the force. Right. And it was like, oh, interesting. I mean, Catholics otherwise would say, no, you know, it's about what you do with your body. Kneel down when you pray. <laughs> Do the sign of the cross. <laughs> There's a little bit of that physical that goes with the spiritual. Yeah, yeah. The the sort of theology of the force seems to be much more dualistic the, than, uh, you know, kind of Gnostic in a way um, compared to Christianity where the body is so important. The, you know, the God who is pure spirit became flesh and took on our, our physicality. But... But at the same time, it's really close in in that sense of, you know, the the source of the power is care for others. You know, mm-hmm. God is love and compassion is maybe the greatest strength of a Jedi. It was ex- nice to see the girl's enthusiasm. And mm. knowing, oh my goodness, she's, yes. she's not a normal person, you know, she got, but at the same time, she got too excited about it yeah. and it didn't work. And it, it's funny because it made me think about, um, my brother worked as a golf pro for a couple of years at a country club okay. and he has the uncanny ability of making someone famous feel like a normal person. Oh, cool. So he could get really close to someone who was famous and I'm not going to drop names, but (laughs) (laughs) so he just had that uncanny. But a famous golfer. Yeah. No, actually a a musical celebrity, but. Oh, okay, cool. So um, I just always thought that was neat where like, if I saw someone famous walking down the street, I'd probably lose my mind and go, oh my gosh, there that person is, you know, and it's like, that's exactly <laughs> what that girl did, which is like, they don't want that. They don't need that. They just need to be, let me just step back. Let me just be Ashlyn who's working here. I'm not who you think I am, you know? But, yeah. Yeah. Cause I think she knew the ramifications of what could happen. I mean, anyway, yeah. in the books, this is like a, multiple stop on her path of trying to get somewhere as far out of the way as possible because she knew the the destruction that that was coming after her yeah so it's like she knew that it could happen yeah it, it was really clear that her her concern was entirely for the safety of of everyone around her like the 
doing the work was not arduous for her <laughs> compared, <laughs> you know, compared to, you know, her Jedi training and her, her experience in the Clone Wars. But but it was like it, it really looked like she was calm, but there was a sadness in her calm in her, you know, sitting apart from the others and, and keeping quiet and, you know, kind of pushing down aspects of, of herself for the sake of, of those around her. Then to have the uh, brother. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kid drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> well, if, if the sister, you know, the, the sister is the one who is whom Ahsoka saved. Um, and she was fangirling over the Jedi. The, her brother was fanboying over the empire mm-hmm. and, um, and sold Ahsoka out. Oh my goodness, I just figured out what that reminded me of. Tell me. It's just like in Sound of Music. The little messenger oh. boy who was so into like serving okay. the Nazi party. And then, you know, the idealistic, you know, girl was like, no. Yeah, oh my yeah. gosh, yes. I knew, I was what like. What was his name? Rolf? Yes. I think. Rolf. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, when he's like, oh, no, you know, when the dad's like, come with us, Ralph, you're not one of them. And then he starts screaming out, I found them. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's exactly who that kid is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it's ages since I've seen The Sound of Music. Um, that's a wild connection. <laughs> wow. So, and and yet he comes around because when the Empire does come, it's in the form of this Inquisitor who doesn't care what his motives were. He only cares about finding the Jedi, right? Man, I wonder, I wonder what that guy's life is going to be like going forward. He needs a big redemption. Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of healing. (laughs) He certainly had a, 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 you know, what they call a come to Jesus moment. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, And again, Ahsoka's compassion saved him. Yeah. You know, she pulled him down from being, having his head sliced off. Yeah, literally, yeah, pulled him out from under the blade. And even even though she knew he was the one who had betrayed her. Mm -hmm. You know, again, we're seeing that, you know, teaching love your enemies um, do good to those who hate you. Yeah, I love that. Just the strength of her values still shining through every step. Let's let's kind of tie all these together. Did you did you see any like themes that were connecting them or did they do they work as like a, a story arc for Ahsoka or are they just kind of like self-contained episodes in the life of I mean, really, as as you said, you know, Ahsoka is a character we know from many different media over a huge chunk of her life. And these are just a few glimpses of parts of her life. So so how do they maybe put what we already know into a new context? What do we learn about her from these stories? I think it gave her depth even more so. I mean, she's already a rich character to begin with, but now yeah. you have... You have her founding where she came from. And you can see how that rolled through her whole life. I mean, 
everything she did was with that great compassion that she learned from her mother at a young age, you know, from the very beginning and just that bond of family. And, you know, there's, there's definitely something to seeing all of this connected together and knowing where Soka could go from here, which makes me really yeah. excited for what's next for Ahsoka. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, yeah. I mean, you know, and of course makes you want to just like erase and rewrite the uh, sequels. <laughs> yeah, so many problems with the sequels. Um, <laughs> I, uh, my biggest problem with the sequels is that there was so much potential for good. Um, and, yes. and like Finn is, is the greatest example of this, of, of there was so much potential to, to really make a rich and interesting character who, who had a powerful role in the story and, and they just did absolutely nothing with him. And it is so frustrating. Um, and, and I like, yeah, but that's not what we're talking about. No, no, we're no, no. That's what we're, about... we're talking about Ahsoka. <laughs> we're talking about Ahsoka. Well, imagine who, if who Ahsoka really has had been, been handled... around to train Finn. Come on. <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. I mean, if you had the, the Jedi Academy, you know? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yes. So, Dave Filoni, if you're listening, here's our here's our request. <laughs> Ahsoka trains Finn. Make yeah. it happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, oh, and throw in Ezra, please. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I wonder if Ezra would make a good teacher, a good master at some point. Oh, he would be fantastic. Yeah. I would say he'd be a great teacher. He started hinting at just the way he shared different things with people toward the last parts of uh, Rebels. I know it's going to be exciting just to see. How it all ties together. I mean, I think Ahsoka was one of the best characters to happen to Star Wars. I I definitely agree. Um, she's she's the only character uh, not from the original movies that I really have a deep connection and 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 that I re- well, that's not true. I've I've really <laughs> grown to to care about Ezra too, um, but. So yeah, but those two characters, she's one of two. Yeah. <laughs> it's she's she's in a rare category. Yeah, um, definitely. I enjoyed this arc. I loved seeing these extra little add-on bits. There was one thing that I did catch when I was rewatching the end of um Clone Wars. And mm-hmm. that the ship that Rex and Ahsoka fly away from the funeral in Yes. That was the ship that they had um, at the end of the Clone Wars when the big star cruiser was crashing on the moon there. The, everything fell apart. And like that, yeah. was, that was the ship that she and Rex took off. And so you know how closely connected that ending for Ahsoka's life was with the loss of her friend. Yeah. Because it was like, yeah, yeah, they're they're flying the same ship and Rex is still in his same uniform. Then there has not been a lot of time passing. Yeah, no. no. So there was a lot of death and loss in a short amount of time. So you could see why she was ready to say, I'm done fighting. She needed the break. She just literally had to fight her brothers, the clones. Yeah. Just to be able to walk away. (laughs) And it makes it even more important with the, uh, inquisitor 
when he realized which Jedi she was. Like oh yeah, you can tell. You're supposed to be dead. Uh, so he knew he was going to get a huge reward for this. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yeah I, I loved that, how much his voice changed and his whole manner changed. And it's like, ah, this is the one who's like the the prize of prizes. Um, maybe maybe even above Obi-Wan. Um, yeah. Yeah. And she handled him like nothing. It was awesome. No, that was beautiful. <laughs> she was completely unarmed and and yeah. It was like uh Obi-Wan's last stand with Darth Maul. Yes. Just a simple little yes. swoosh swoosh, it's done. You know, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> well, any last thoughts as we wrap up uh Tales of the Jedi? No, I think we covered it all. It was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I mean there's a lot to talk about um and there's there's probably more probably things that we completely missed i'm i'm sure those who are listening you've you out there listening have your thoughts too you know you can email us with your comments and questions at starwars at sqpn.com or you can find starquest on facebook at facebook.com slash starquest media or simply tweet us at SQPN and be sure to share this podcast on uh, any of your social media. Each and every one of us owes a thank you to the people who make this podcast possible, our patrons, including John M., Heather A., Kathleen M., Melanie Q., and Allison H. You too can help StarQuest continue our mission by becoming a patron at sqpn.com slash give. Another way you can help is by telling anyone else you know to subscribe to Secrets of Star Wars in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or directly on the SQPN YouTube channel. And previous episodes can be found at sqpn.com slash Wars. After listening to this episode, please rate and review the podcast if you haven't already. Let us know how we're doing and help Secrets of Star Wars get seen by more people who'd be interested in listening. Next week, we'll be back with a special episode guessing the New Year's resolutions of various Star Wars characters. It'll be fun for everyone, I'm sure. Until next time, Catherine Laffrey, thank you for joining us in sharing the Secrets of Star Wars. Thank you. I'm ready to do this again. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it again, too. Once again, I'm Robert King. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. Hi, everyone. This is Dom Bettinelli, CEO of StarQuest, with a special message as we approach the Christmas season. This past year, the StarQuest Network has continued to expand our mission of exploring the intersection of faith and pop culture through our many entertaining and informative programs. Now we need your generous financial support to keep producing the shows you love and to reach new audiences with more of the life-changing and uplifting programming we've been creating for more than a decade. That's why it's very important that we hear from you this Advent and Christmas, the time when nonprofits receive most of their support for the year. If you are already a supporter of StarQuest, we thank you and ask you to prayerfully consider increasing your support at this time. If you're not yet a supporter, please become one now. Every gift counts. Could you give $15 or even just $10 per month? Whatever level of support you can offer, please show your support for SQPN this Christmas. And remember that your gifts are tax deductible. Just go to sqpn.com give. That's sqpn.com 
slash give. May God bless you this Advent and may you have a blessed Christmas season.